Welcome to theories of the third kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I'm one of your hosts. There are three other hosts that are joining me today, of course. Anna. Hey, guys. Hans. Hello. And Danielson. What's up? So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you'd like to help us out, well, there's a few ways that you could do that. One of these ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is $0.16 a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today we released a Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over the Turnbull Valley Curse. Also, we have over 45 extra episodes, which is over 60 hours, already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as Unit 731, Secret Nazi Space Program, glitches in the matrix and much more we have a lot of extra patreon episodes and a ton of extra blooper reels which you get access to all of them for just five bucks a month another way to support the show is through our merchandise just teleport on over to our website theoriesofthethirdkind.com and click on the shop button then you could see all the merch we have for sale t-shirts hats totes mugs all that good stuff I just wanted to say that the money we get from Patreon and merchandise sales goes to bettering the show. And hey, we know things are tough out there right now. So if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes, and that helps us out a lot. If you don't want to leave one, though, then that is fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, and underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last quick thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses. And that is the end of the announcements. All right, so today's episode is over Skinwalker Ranch. So how this episode will go today is that we will quickly go over what is Skinwalker Ranch, the story behind it, and then we transition into the story of the family that was there and what happened to them, and then the investigative side of it, and then we roll into strange facts and findings, theories, and of course wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. For more than 200 years, a large area of land in Utah has been the site of hundreds of paranormal and UFO activities. Bizarre events at this remote ranch have ranged from unidentified flying objects, vanishing and mutilated cattle, and even sightings of huge, otherworldly creatures. What is causing all this activity? Why did the government fund a scientific research team to investigate this area? Is it all a hoax? Or is this truly the most paranormal place in the world? So before we get into those questions, 
we figured it would be best if we told you about the Skinwalker Ranch. So, Dan, can you start us off with that and just tell us a little bit about it? So, Skinwalker Ranch is a property that is located near the small town of Ballard, Utah. The property itself is almost 480 acres in size, and right next to it sits the Ute Indian Reservation. Now, before we get into the ranch itself, let's discuss real quick about what the Ute Indians, who of course live next door to this land, believe and why they refuse to go on it. Now, this all starts a long time ago, before Skinwalker Ranch was even a thing. The Utes and Navajo Indians lived near that area in Utah, and at one point they actually fought together against a common enemy, which was invading people that were trying to take their land. So everything was good between the Utes and Navajo for a little while, until the Utes did something dirty. The Utes started abducting the Navajo people and selling them in the New Mexico slave markets. That wasn't the only bad thing they did. So during the American Civil War, there was a U.S. Army officer named Kit Carson. He convinced the Ute Indians to team up with his regiment and fight against the Navajo. This fight resulted in the Navajo being exiled from the land and having to march down towards New Mexico. Because of these things that the Utes did to the Navajos, the Utes believed that they put a curse on them. Right after the Utes got supposedly cursed is when the skinwalkers began to terrorize the Ute people. And this has been going on for three or four generations. These Utes believe that skinwalkers live on that area of the land near Ballard, Utah, and that is why they refuse to go on it. So, what are skinwalkers exactly? Well, according to the Utes, they are normal-looking human beings that wear the skin of an animal and can transform into that creature that has magical powers. Now, skinwalkers aren't just exclusive to these two Native American tribes. It is actually a huge folklore tale, a mythological creature that exists between almost all Native American tribes. So these Ute Indians that live next to Skinwalker Ranch 100% believe that these skinwalker creatures are what is causing all the paranormal activity and crazy stuff happening on the 480 acres of land next door to them. All right, so now that we know what the Native Americans next door believe, let's get into the Skinwalker Ranch itself and the history of its paranormal activity. So Hans, can you start us off with that? Of course. The earliest account of paranormal activity in that area of Utah goes all the way back to the 1700s. Spanish explorers at that time were walking along looking for Spanish trails and passed right through that area of Skinwalker Ranch. They decided to set up a camp in that area at night and reportedly saw a craft hovering in the sky overhead. So fast forward to 1905, the Meyer family ended up claiming that area of land, and by the 1930s, Kenneth and Edith Myers had built a few small buildings on the ranch and were living there full-time until 1987. And a little knowledge nugget here, now even though they'd lived there for over 80 years, Kenneth and Edith never reported anything strange happening in or around that ranch during the entire time they stayed there. So the Myers family moved out of the Skinwalker Ranch in 1987, and it stood empty for seven years. Then in 1994, Terry Sherman and his wife Gwen ended up purchasing Skinwalker Ranch with the intent of starting a cattle ranch business. When the Shermans arrived at their new home, which had been vacant for several years and started unpacking, 
as they were unpacking their stuff, they noticed that there were deadbolts all over the house, which having deadbolts on doors isn't that weird, but there were deadbolts placed on all of the doors of the home on both sides. Even stranger, all of the windows and even the kitchen cabinets had deadbolts on them as well. They noticed that all the other buildings on the property also had deadbolts placed everywhere. So they decided to start looking around in their home more. They found that at both ends of the house were large iron stakes in the floors of the home. Attached to these iron stakes were long, heavy chains. The Shermans kind of brushed it off and assumed that these were used by previous owners to restrain a large dog. Well, it didn't take the Shermans long to find out why all those bolts and locks were on the house. Because they only stayed on the property for two years before fleeing in May of 1996. So, let's get into the juicy details of what the Shermans actually experienced while living there. During their two years on the property, the Sherman family said that they experienced a lot of strange and mysterious things. For example, Terry Sherman had 14 of his 80 cows randomly die. When these cattle were found, they all had been mutilated in odd various ways that normal animals just would not do. Other examples was that the Sherman family kept hearing voices of individuals talking or screaming around their home when no one was there. They also had inanimate objects flying around their home and property at random times. UFOs flying above their land, weird beastly looking creatures roaming around their home, and many more strange things that were occurring that they were at a loss to explain. On the first day that the Shermans were moving in is when they experienced their first strange thing. They had spotted an extremely large wolf in a nearby pasture. The wolf casually made its way across the field, and to everyone's surprise, it walked right up to the family without any hesitation. After a few minutes of standing around the Shermans, the wolf casually walked over to the pen that held all the cows. It decided to grab a young calf by its snout and attempted to pull it through the fence. Terry and his son rushed to the calf's aid and began beating on the wolf's back with an axe handle, but the wolf refused to release it. Terry then went to his truck, grabbed a 357 Magnum, and shot the wolf at point-blank range in the side. The bullet didn't do anything to the wolf. He didn't make a sound or even bleed. The wolf simply ignored the shots and continued pulling on the calf. So they decided to shoot the wolf again at point-blank range, which at that point, the wolf let go of the calf, turned around, and looked at the family somewhat confused. The Shermans then shot the wolf two more times. The wolf took two steps back, but still stood there with no signs of injury, just staring at the family. Terry then said, all shit. Then he sprinted back to his truck and got his hunting rifle. He got close to it and shot it once more at close range. This shot caused a chunk of hair and flesh to fly off the wolf, but it still didn't seem to phase it. It just stood there, staring back at the family with an expressionless look on his face. The wolf then turned and slowly trotted across the field into a muddy thicket of small trees. Terry and his son tracked the beast for about a mile, following its paw prints through the mud but the track suddenly ended, as if the wolf had simply vanished into thin air. 
Now, this isn't the only wolf sighting that happened to the Shermans. Several more happened during their time living at Skinwalker Ranch. For example, one day, Gwen Sherman spotted a large wolf as she drove her, her car through the gated entry to the farm. She noted that the wolf was three times larger than a standard wolf, that its head reached above the roof of the vehicle that she was driving. The family also recalled many instances where they spotted freakishly large animal-like creatures that were walking around the Skinwalker Ranch property. That is scary and terrifying. Right. Why would you still continue to live there when you see stuff like that? It just gets worse for him. Yeah, the longer the Sherman stayed at the ranch, the more remarkable and unexplained events started occurring. For example, sometimes in the middle of the night, their entire pasture would light up as if it was illuminated by football stadium lights. On some occasions, they would see shafts of light that would be beaming from the ground up towards the sky. They also heard what sounded like large earth-moving machinery coming from inside the ground. They also smelled a strong musk-like odors emanating throughout the house. At times while they worked in the middle of the pasture, they would hear mysterious voices, seemingly floating in the air above them, talking to one another. Crop circles, circular ice patterns, and even large holes in the ground would appear overnight in areas all around the Skinwalker Ranch property. One particular strange happening stood out to Gwen. She returned from the grocery store one evening with several bags of groceries. She unpacked them and placed each item in a cabinet or refrigerator. She then folded the bags on the counter and made a quick trip to the bathroom. When she returned to the kitchen a few moments later, she was shocked. All the bags that were folded up on the counter were unfolded and filled with the groceries that she had unpacked only moments before. Gwen's husband, Terry, on the other hand, was like, meh, whatever. You probably just forgot to put them away. You know, he wasn't really bothered by it because uh, he had other stuff on his mind. He was dealing with cattle mutilations. It seems a bit more intense than groceries not being put away when you put them away, but yeah. correlated. So these cattle mutilations that were occurring quite often on Skinwalker Ranch were detrimental to the Sherman's business. Just a little knowledge nugget that we'd like to throw in you know, here. Typical cattle ranches might only lose about 1% of their cattle each year to bad health or other various reasons. Terry had lost 20% of his cattle in just 20 months to cattle mutilations alone. Damn. It's not profitable at that point. No, it's not. No. And he ran tests, or I, I don't know if we go into that or not. I'm sorry. No, yeah, yeah. We have uh, actual pictures and paperwork of tests on his cattle mutilations that occurred uh, during Strange Facts and Findings that we'll get more in depth into. Okay. So, mm. One evening, as Terry and Gwen were driving off their property to run an errand in town, Terry said to his wife, if we ever lost any of our four bulls, then we would be in big trouble. Surprisingly, when they returned from town, all four bulls were missing. Mm -hmm. They searched the grounds where the bulls usually roam, but they were not there. Terry continued to search his property for his bulls, and as he was walking past an unused locked trailer, he decided to take a peek into it. 
He was shocked to see that all four bowls were stuffed into the trailer like sardines. He couldn't understand how someone could get one of the large, aggressive bowls into a small container, much less four of them. And what confused him even further is that the trailer itself had been locked the entire time. He was the only one that had a key to the lock, and the lock on the outside still had cobwebs on it since they never used that trailer. That is strange. Mm-hmm. Skinwalkers are just get the f in there. Get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at this point, you would think that they would think about moving, but they never did. And more and more strange things continue. For an example, another thing that the Shermans were experiencing around this time with the, you know, alongside the cattle mutilations and the weird sounds and everything is that they were also seeing mysterious flying crafts that were above their land. Now, these crafts were various shapes and colors. Terry even reportedly saw a refrigerator-shaped object about the size of an RV with a white light at the front and a red light at the back of it. And we actually have that story that we're going to talk about right now. All right, let's dive into it. So what happened that day was that Terry was in his home. He had looked out the window and noticed what he thought was an RV in the pasture. He initially thought it was someone that was lost. So he told his wife, Gwen, that he was going to go outside and help them with directions. As he approached the vehicle, it rose straight into the air and flew out of sight. <laughs> you, you imagine him going back inside telling his wife that, well, I, saw, I thought I saw an RV. She's like, oh, did you help those people, those tourists? Mm. No, uh, the RV just kind of flew away. It's like the magic school bus. Yeah, that's what I imagined when, <laughs> <laughs> when I was reading this. I was like, oh. So, like we said, the Shermans witness a lot of various crafts in the air. However, the most common objects that they witness is what they described as floating spheres of different sizes and colors. Between 1995 and 96, the Shermans reported 12 separate incidents where large orange circles were seen flying over the trees near their land. Terry also claimed that holes would occasionally open up in the sky. Large orange spheres and other very small ones would fly out of the hole. It is worth noting here that a neighboring rancher did confirm the sightings of these weird orange spheres. He told reporters of his own encounters with what he called flying basketballs. Blue orbs were also witnessed on the property, but unlike the orange orbs, Terry said that these were to be feared. They were about the size of a basketball, so around the same size as the orange ones but they supposedly, and I quote straight from Terry, they were intelligently controlled and make quick turns as they flew around the property. Yeah, now we're going to get into a blue orb story. And this one had a big effect on Terry, and you'll see why as to why it affected him so much. So one evening in May of 1996, Terry was outside with three of his cattle dogs when he noticed a blue orb darting around in the field near his ranch house. Terry urged his dogs, hey, go chase that blue orb. So as the dogs chased and snapped at the orb, it moved and dodged just enough to stay out of these dogs' reach, as if it was kind of like playing with them. The blue orb then led the dogs out towards a pasture, into the thick brush that borders the field away from Terry. 
When they were out of sight, he heard his dogs make terrible yelping sounds, and then they were silent. He called for them, but they didn't respond. Terry said that since the sun was setting and it was getting dark, that he decided to not run into the thick brush after his dogs and to instead return the next morning. What a dick. Yeah, yeah. what a dick. You made your dogs chase after a fucking alien orb and then they, you know, probably you know got hurt. hurt. Yeah, you heard them and then you just, eh, we'll just see you in the morning. Terry put it in reverse. That next day, as he went to the spot in the thick brush where his three dogs disappeared, he found three round spots of dried and brittle vegetation. In the middle of each circle was a black, greasy lump. Ugh. God dang it, Terry. All right, so Terry found this black, greasy lump. Three of them. What happened after that, after he found these lumps? Well, Terry went back to his home and told his wife, Gwen, what had happened. They came to the conclusion that whatever these blue orbs were, that they incinerated their dogs. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say incinerated. They liquefied them. Incinerated means yeah. that there's nothing left. Yeah. This event is what caused Terry and Gwen to discuss, for the first time, the possibility of leaving this godforsaken property and selling it. The first time. The first time. Yeah. But no, they had to wait. They had to wait till they lost their dogs. John Wick style. The dogs was too much. Yep. So after just two years of living on this Skinwalker Ranch... The Shermans found it difficult to sleep at night. Oh, boy. However, when they did manage to fall asleep, they were plagued by violent nightmares. Now, this is kind of weird because in the morning over breakfast, the family started to discuss their nightmares with one another. They found out that different family members had experienced identical dreams, the same nightmares as each other during the night. Mm. Mm. Just go into the same dimension. They're opening the portals for you to join. The Shermans' personal life also declined drastically. Their two kids were honor students before arriving at the ranch. Now two years in, they were barely passing their classes. Probably from the sleep deprivation. Um, Gwen ended up losing her job at the local bank because she kept missing work. And when she was at work, she would tell co-workers of the disturbing tales of what was happening at her home. Due to everything happening to them, the family began sleeping each night together on the floor of the living room. You would think that would be a sign. Like, if you can't sleep anywhere but the floor of your living room as an entire family, you gotta get out of there, man. Deuces. Yeah. That's just crazy. So... This activity of what was happening to the Sherman family at the Skinwalker Ranch ended up spreading throughout the country and caught the attention of multiple media outlets. Now, also at this time, the Shermans were trying to sell their ranch so that they could leave. But one day, they ended up getting a very interesting visit from two individuals. These individuals identified themselves as a Navy intelligence officer from North Carolina and an agent with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. These individuals had heard about what was happening to the Shermans on their property and had randomly come to visit them. They listened to their stories and looked at pictures that Terry and Gwen had shown them. After hearing everything, the two individuals thanked the Shermans for their time and then suddenly left. The Shermans never heard from them after that. Hmm. I should have thrown that into Strange Facts and Findings, but... 
That's a little odd. Mm-hmm. Super, super odd. Yeah. So in late 1996, a hotel entrepreneur named Robert Bob Bigelow purchased the ranch from the Shermans for $200,000. Now, Bob didn't purchase the ranch for himself, but he actually purchased it for the National Institute for Discovery Science, NIDS for short. Immediately after the purchase of the property, a flurry of intense activity occurred on it. Now, before we get into the National Institute for Discovery Science and what they had found, I figured let's go over what had happened to the Shermans on their last night at the ranch. All right, so here we are. It's the last day. Terry and his family spent the entire day rounding up what cattle they had left. By the evening time, they were absolutely exhausted. The family went inside, locked their doors, and then they all went to bed. The next morning, which was the day they were leaving the ranch, the entire Sherman family woke up to find their bedding covered in blood. Both Gwen and Terry had one-eighth inch deep scoop marks in the same place on their right thumbs. They quickly gathered the rest of their belongings and decided to leave the ranch for good. Imagine that. They just had to take one last skin sample the skinwalkers did. Hmm. And their thumbs of all places. Yeah. So shortly after the Shermans left in August of 1996, the scientists from the National Institute of Discovery Science, which we all will call NIDS from now on, well, they moved into Skinwalker Ranch. They installed video cameras and other sensitive monitoring equipment, built new fencing and constructed observation posts manned with trained observers in hopes of collecting evidence for scientific studies. They, they also had built a big laboratory on Skinwalker Ranch to run tests there on the site. So on the first night that they were there, the NIDS scientists reportedly saw two bright yellow orbs hovering 15 to 20 feet above the ground. As the scientists moved closer to the lights, they saw a human-like animal run high into a tree. As they moved towards the tree line to get a closer look at this animal creature, it grew larger and larger in size. A rancher who was accompanying the scientist fired shots at the large animal, claiming, and I quote, They won't get any more of our cattle tonight. The large creature darted out of the trees and ran through the snow out of their sight. They searched the ground for the traces of blood, but found absolutely none. However, they did see strange animal tracks in the snow. These tracks were large, clearly defined, and indicated that the animal had large human-like feet with long claws. Nids remained fairly quiet about these incidents for many years. They didn't want public exposure that would bring onlookers that would disrupt their scientific research. Up until 2002 and from 2006 onward, NIDS investigators and research scientists continued documenting various paranormal events by using various high-end electronic equipment. NIDS immediately started noting that cattle mutilations were a routine occurrence and often would happen within only a few hundred yards of investigators. They ran analysis on the cattle's corpse, which revealed that sharp instruments 
had been used in the dismemberment of the animals. Often, 40% of the body mass of the mutilated animals would have been removed without leaving a single trace of blood on the ground. This type of dismemberment would have taken quite some time to complete, which didn't make any sense to the scientists because, on at least a few occasions, these cattle were seen alive only minutes earlier. Can you imagine that, seeing a cattle or a cow alive, and a few minutes later you're walking back in its direction and there it is, with 40% of its body mass missing, it laying on the ground and no blood around it? That would be a very weird sight. Yeah. So, um, additional activity reported at the ranch by NIDS included unusual or strange aircraft, just like the Shermans had seen. Balls of light floating above the ground, poltergeist activity in and around the property, strange alterations to the land, such as hundreds of pounds of soil moved from one place to another in a course of a single night. And they also witnessed strange humanoid-like creatures that walked around in the wooded area of the ranch. <laughs> Am I not going to leave that place if I'm ever there? If I saw that? Nope. Well, it makes you wonder what they did to the dogs. Because if they could so easily take care of these cows, why did they pulverize the dogs? I don't know. Could have just done what they did to the cows. There's obviously something about cows that they like to research. It's a fetish. Or take. You should, it's weird what they do to the cows. You'll see. It is so weird. They're ugh. typical alien probing. They have a huge straw. They just stick it in the anus and go. <laughs> you're not, throw the you're not really wrong. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. And then they, they toss it. All right. One of the NIDS researchers had gone on record trying to explain the experiences, and they were quoted saying this. It isn't as simple as saying that ETs or flying saucers are doing it. It's some kind of consciousness, but it's always something new and different, something non-repeatable. It's reactive to people and equipment, and we set up the ranch to be a proving ground for the scientific method but science doesn't seem amendable to the solution of these kinds of problems. Hmm. By the end of 2002, paranormal activity at Skinwalker Ranch had begun to decline, and at the end of that year, the National Institute for Science Discovery decided that it was no longer financially feasible to keep a full-time crew of researchers on the premises. Scientists continued making visits and recording incidents up until 2007, at which time they noted that the pattern of unusual activity had begun to increase once again. So what's currently happening with the Skinwalker Ranch? Well, in 2016, Bob Bigelow sold Skinwalker Ranch for $4.5 million to Adamantium Holdings. This company is actually a shell corporation that nobody knows who owns it. But a lot of people are speculating that it is supposedly, that it is a real estate group. I'm a little knowledge nugget here. Um, a guy actually came out um, here recently, Brandon Frugal, or Brandon, uh, Brandon Fugel. He's a 46 and a Utah real estate tycoon. And he actually announced that he is the owner of Adamantium Holdings, 
and said that he owns it now. So, oh, yeah, but that was only here recently. Yeah, he's on the Skinwalker Ranch series. Don't, yeah, and so he's you're like season two's coming out. I don't know. When I started watching it, I'm like, this dude has way too much money for his own good. And this is the fanciest helicopter I've ever seen. Yeah. After the adamantium purchased it or that guy, uh, all the roads leading to the ranch were blocked. The perimeter was secured and guarded by cameras. Bigger fences and more barbed wire were installed. And it is currently under electronic surveillance at all times and is surrounded by signs that tell individuals to not approach the ranch. So, yeah, that's the timeline of Skinwalker Ranch. But, of course, that's uh, it's not all of it. We have a lot of strange facts and findings to get into. So who wants to start us off with the first? Wait, you look confused, Anna. you have something you want to add? No, I, I know, like, that series just has so much in that. That Brandon guy says that the, these studies done before he took over are still are still classified information, according to him. So he doesn't have access to any of the stuff that was done by the company before, like all those those cattle pens that they set up to specifically put a cow in to see and like watch an alien or whatever it is with them. All of that research he doesn't have. Yeah. They, uh, they'd set up a camera like real far away away. Well, I say real way, way away, like 300 yards away and zoom in on the cow. Kind of like Jurassic Park, right? And uh, they would just sit there and watch and see what happens to the cattle. And actually one time George Knapp, host for Coast to Coast AM, actually went there. It sat in a chair that was placed in the land where they had majority of the paranormal happenings at. And the NIDS researcher had him set there, and then they walked 300 yards away, set up a camera, and aimed it towards him. And he said he was frightened, he was scared, but he wanted to do it to see what would happen to him. And of course, nothing happened to him because he's still on Coast to Coast AM. Or did it? Is that really him? Is he a clone? We may never know. So I guess that kind of rolls us into strange facts and findings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so who wants to start us off with this first strange fact and finding about the U.S. government? I got you. All right. All right, so with the U.S. government, we're going back to 2007, and the U.S. government had started this secret classified program called the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. So what is it exactly? Well, this Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, ATIP for short, was so funny. <laughs> was a secret investigative effort funded by the US government to study UFOs. This program began in 2007 and was funded by 22 million dollars from the US government over a 5-year period, which ended in 2012. This program was first made public on December 16th, 2017. Did you know your tax dollars were going to that? I want to study something and get paid $22 million to do it. Jeez. So why do we mention this program? Well, do you remember that guy, Robert Bigelow, the male gigolo, you know, that we talked about earlier? Uh-huh. The one who purchased Skinwalker Ranch from the Shermans for 200000 in 1996? 
Well, almost all of that $22 million that the U.S. government used for funding this UFO research went exclusively to Robert. Wow. Mm. Wow. That. Yeah. And that this dude is still a huge uh, force. Like, I don't want to get into it, but there's definitely some weird things about the connections and big tech being involved and government. It's a whole thing. There's a reason mm. that these people are the ones that own this land. All right. Tell us a little bit about Robert Bigelow, Hans. All right. So our next strange fact and finding is about the Robert Bigelow guy. You know, we did some digging into him, and this guy is pretty much like Elon Musk. However, not many people have heard about him. He has a space company that is actively building expandable space pods, pretty much habitats for space. Robert is a very private person and doesn't really talk about his research. He also holds a top secret security clearance with the government. And like we mentioned earlier, he has contracts with the government. Something else worth noting here, we did reach out to him for an interview. And uh, he said that he does not do them, even though there is a lot of interviews of him online. So. You're lying to us, Bob. Uh, anyways, so this Robert, Bob, whatever, he is uh, super into UFOs and paranormal stuff. Now, in an interview that he did with 60 Minutes, he discusses what actually got him into aliens and UFOs. He stated that as a child, he was riding with his grandparents in their vehicle and saw a spacecraft. The interviewer then asked him if we will ever find other forms of intelligent life out there during space travel, and he responds with, you don't have to go anywhere. You can find it here. Ooh. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's a little weird, huh? Mm-hmm. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, he gets the contract from the government for $22 million. He owns the land. Hmm. Anyways. Did, um, did he get his knowledge from working with the aliens involved on Skinwalker Ranch? Maybe. He must know something if he says we don't have to look far to find it. Right? Yep. Um, so let's go to the next strange fact and finding. Because that one kind of digs into more of the intelligent life aspect that Robert may have been talking about. So there is this black floating mass, right? Now, supposedly, there's an entity that is described by Rob and his researchers as, and I quote, having neurological electricity. Apparently, this is a unique entity that is completely black in color and takes the form of thick smoke. Isn't that Gandar? Gan- Gangar, whatever, from fucking Pokemon? Oh, Gandar. Gandar, yeah. Gandar. <laughs> yeah. Or ghastly. Yeah, coffee. <laughs> That's the COVID coffin. Uh, okay. The smoke is described as a disembodied skin of black electrified energy that possesses intellect. Like it is smart, alive, and living. Now I know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, that's BS. Well, we did find something interesting that connects with this in our next strange fact and finding. So. Dan, let's 
Learn about that. I'm going to tell you about Colonel John B. Alexander, mm. who is our next strange fact and finding. He was a researcher at Skinwalker Ranch when Robert Bigelow's company owned it. We found a clip of this colonel talking about his time there, as well as this black mass entity. So we are going to play that right now. I found was that there was something out there that was looking, I say, precognitive. It knew how we were going to respond to a certain incident before the incident occurred. Mm -hmm. It was certainly smart or sentient and absolutely in control. Mm -hmm. Can you give an example? say from the Skinwalker Ranch study? Oh, Skinwalker Ranch, I mean, there are so many examples there. Uh, you know, the book by Colm Kelleher mm -hmm. and uh, George Knapp on it. Um, uh, <clears throat> Skinwalker Ranch was owned by Robert Bigelow. A number of us were up there, it was monitored 24-7. Um, I'll give you one example that just defies total description. We had instrumented the ranch. Mm -hmm. We had cameras up there that were facing in certain uh, directions. The particular incident uh, involved here is I have camera one that happens to be looking at camera two, both looking out. And the wires come down back to the base where everything's being recorded. Um, <clears throat> at a time that we know Suddenly, uh, these cameras about 20 feet high. Something pulled the wire uh, mm -hmm. out of the camera. There was about half a roll of duct tape mm -hmm. around the post uh, holding up. That's totally gone. There's about a three-foot chunk of wire that's totally missing. There's PVC down at the bottom that's been pulled loose mm -hmm. and missing. And as it turns out that at the time of the incident, which we know because you had the daytime recording back at the cabin, um, the cattle happened to be milling right around that pole. Mm -hmm. uh, reason that's significant is we know that if anybody got close to the pole, they would be spooked. Mm -hmm. and you know, scatter. Yeah. That didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So you have an uh, incident that happened absolutely, you know, in physical reality, uh, should have been captured on camera and wasn't. The cameras, as I recall, were taking slow motion snapshots once every second or so. Uh, second or third. Mm -hmm. and, and so you have one picture where everything is intact and the next picture where all the damage has already taken well, place. You, you don't see the damage from the camera, uh -huh. uh, but what you do know is that the camera out you know, the outlying camera stopped recording so mm -hmm. you know when that was mm -hmm. but then you go in and you look at the physical damage that was done uh, just no plausible explanation mm. okay so that's one example and uh, it's well, a there are a host of those and, and one of the points is mm -hmm. You know, these things would happen. You point the cameras out, and it, whatever it is, control says, oh, you like that? Mm -hmm. And it would do something just off camera. Yeah. So every time we tried to set up to mm -hmm. understand the phenomena, or you had something presented, and you responded to it, it would change slightly, and yeah. that's the trickster component. And in this case, associated with poltergeist-type phenomenon, cattle mutilation-type yeah. phenomenon, yeah. which you're suggesting are also related to UFOs. I, in some way, mm -hmm. yes, a host of phenomena. Yeah. And again, the trickster, the control mm -hmm. mechanism, this is where Jacques and I pretty much agree. There is something out there. Interesting, huh?
Yeah. Hmm. I always wonder what they, how can they tell when they're being recorded? Because anytime you get footage of possible alien stuff, it's always blurry. It's always just like you can't focus in on them. So do they have technology that you could see the span of where that camera is recording? Like they know the waves, like there's some sort of wave that goes out and they're like, "Mm, if this is where it's recording, we're just going to be right outside of it. Like, how do they know? They must have some, (sighs) hypothetically speaking, I mean, let's just say they have like, uh, what if they have the ability to know when something's watching them? Whether it be human or, or a device or something, some type of sense, like a sixth sense, seventh sense, whatever. How we have smell, they have the ability to sense when something's uh, looking at them. They're just like, you know, when you go to record your dog or something, like they know for some reason that camera's on them. And like, I know my dog, she used to, every time I turn the camera on to like take a picture or a video her. She would literally look away from the camera every single time. Put the camera down, she'd look right back at me. It's like they know. It's like, I don't know if it's like some kind of frequency the camera puts out or something that they can hear or feel it. I mean, it's just like when we were up in Maine, I knew when Anna was up. I do have a pretty strong frequency. Yep, I knew when she woke up because I was laying in the bed and all of a sudden I said some, she about ready to pop around the corner of that door and she was like, I knew you were up. I knew you'd be up. I was like, yep. Nice. All right. So I guess let's roll into our next strange fact and finding. Who wants to take that? So our next strange fact and finding is about UFO reports. Between the 1950s and 70s, in that specific area of Utah near Skinwalker Ranch, UFO reports were extremely common. There were various reports of UFOs ranging from 20 to 30 feet in size. Some of them were reported as large as a football field flying in the sky above them. At that time, the Utah Highway Patrol was getting so many calls about UFOs that they actually stopped filling out incident reports on them. That's how many were coming in. Damn. Also, something interesting to note is that around the same time that these UFO calls were coming in, Calls were also coming in about cattle mutilations. Uh, Many of these cattle mutilations were medical-grade incisions. No blood in the area. And they had weird holes drilled out that were 8 inches around and 8 inches deep, mainly in the rectum area of the cow. Hmm. Now, we did come across uh, an investigative report of a cattle mutilation event that was done on October 16th 1998 by the National Institute for Discovery Science on the Skinwalker Ranch. That report is a PDF file and we'll have a link for it. But it talks about a three-year-old registered cow that was found dead by the owner and the animal was seen in good health the previous day. Um, It talks about how the animal's left eye and tissue were removed as well as part of its left ear. A toxicology and chemical analysis was done on the animal. Both, it found out that the tissue that had been removed in the part of the left ear was removed by a sharp instrument. No evidence of high heat or cartery instruments was obtained from these cuts. No signs of struggle and no tracks were found near the animal. And an unusual formaldehyde containing blue gel-like substance was found on the eye 
the ear and the anus of the animal. And using a headspace gas chronometer mass spectrometry analysis, the blue gel-like substance was shown to contain 300 to 3,000 micrograms of 2,6-bis-dimethyline-4-methyl-phenol, a synthetic molecule with antioxidant and antiviral properties, as well as contaminants of normal purification breakdown products from cow tissue. The uh, animal's heart was also shredded, and um, the animal tested positive on two different pregnancy tests, yet there was no fetus present at the time. So that is very weird. And in it, you can scroll down and you can see the pictures of the sharp cut around the cow's eye and then the just the weird odd things we aren't going to go super detail into it you want to read it yourself you can read it let's see how long is it? it's 45 pages it goes into super detail with all scientific stuff so you can take a look at it so that was a weird strange fact i'm finding huh yeah, yeah. very 45 pages the heart was shredded, and when they tried to take a blood sample from the heart, it just, like, fell apart. Holy. Like, wow. Yeah, and then that pregnancy thing, the cow being pregnant, but no fetus, as if the, it had been spontaneously combusted or spontaneously aborted. Not combusted, spontaneously aborted. Yeah, but there was no signs of that, though. Oh. Oh. Yeah, like, the uterus was enlarged and everything, but there was no si- actual sign of the cow being pregnant. Hmm. Or having an abortion or anything like that. Odd. So it's weird. All right, Hans, what is this next strange fact and finding you got for us? So obviously there has to be more places like Skinwalker Ranch. Maybe not with, you know, you know, beast and Native American monsters and curses, but other places. Because, you know, Skinwalker Ranch, it's pretty unique in its own right. So I found... Just a little side note, just a little knowledge nugget. There's a ranch outside of Buckeye, Arizona that has strange encounters with aliens and home invasions from the Galactic Thugs. Galactic Thugs. Galactic Thugs. I like Galactic Thugs. I'm telling you, dude. I, I stumbled upon this, and I think he deserves his own episode, this place. It's called Stardust Ranch. Or as Alien Ranch was what the media calls it, because it has so many UFO and alien encounters out there. John Edmonds, the owner of this place, has claimed he has physical proof aliens really exist with DNA he has acquired on the ranch. This is a direct quote from him about how he got some of the, uh, the DNA. I wiped up the blood and fluid tissue of the gray I nearly split in two with ex- with an exceptionally well sharpened samurai sword and had to two hand combat these little parasites we have plenty of evidence to prove it gathered over many years he had a samurai sword he used on the alien he did oh my god he said he was getting tired I'm paraphrasing like this for his big little interview He was getting tired of them breaking into his home and, you know, screwing with his dogs and killing his cows. And so he decided he was going to kill them. 
That would make a great movie. I know it, right? Samurai warrior, alien killer. John Edmonds, samurai, <laughs> the alien slayer. Yeah. I just didn't want to go into too much depth on this guy because he, you know, he really does deserve his own episode. But what also was strange about this is that he had Robert Bigelow come and investigate his property as well. Ooh. Yeah, we're going to have to do an episode over that. And the CIA. Oh, damn. So they already made a movie, Cowboys and Aliens. This one's going to be Samurai and Aliens. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm going to watch that. All right. So that's the end of Strange Facts and Findings. So now I guess we move into theories. Um, how many do we have? One, two, three, four, five. We have five different theories other than our own personal thoughts and theories. So who wants to start us off and tell us about this first theory? I could do that one. Okay. So this one involves a portal. Now, some believe that somewhere on the property, there is a portal to somewhere else in our universe or another dimension that allows entities from that side to come into our world or reality. This portal is most likely undetectable, and you probably still can't see it today, unless you got that die, Dyson die. Glasses that you <laughs> talked about on the Patreon yeah. episode, yeah. yeah. So some comments following this hypothesis is that whoever is on the other side thinks of us as an interactive roadside attraction or for some research purposes. I can kind of see that. I have a theory, but I'm going to save mine until personal thoughts and theories because it kind of connects with this. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. If we're on the same wavelength, I'm going to kiss you. Okay. All right. So this next theory that we're going to talk about is called the Ark of the Covenant. So this theory is that buried underneath Skinwalker Ranch is the Ark of the Covenant's true location. With that being the location of it, the land around it must never be disturbed. Now, the powers of this arc are so extreme that it can cause all these odd phenomenons, such as orbs, spaceships, direwolves, pretty much everything that has been happening at Skinwalker Ranch. Now, one person stated that the uh, arc's power is said to come from static electricity stored in separated metal plates like a giant Leyden jar. And this is why some electronics mess up around the area. So, mm. eh, why would they bury it in Utah, though? Did somehow the Utes get a hold of it, the Indians, and then bury it? That, you know, people view that the Native Americans are the closest to uh, spirituality, and maybe they hid it because they knew what was coming. They knew that generations to come just couldn't handle the uh, the knowledge and power that came with the Ark. Yeah. Hold up. Side note. Didn't, didn't like, they leave notes and instructions to the people that bought Skinwalker Ranch to not do anything without, like, asking the ranch its permissions to, like, start digging or doing all that? Yeah, you cannot dig. Anytime someone digs on there, something bad happens. Yeah. And then there's a Thomas guy who ended up having his scalp separate from his, uh, his scalp separated from his brain, and he had this giant lump. And they're saying so there's like really really high microwave 
levels, like if you had a microwave open, turned it on, and stood in front of it, those were levels they were hitting out in the desert by like the mesa. But there's a theory that whatever these creatures are beamed a direct light or some sort of microwave energy, whatever, into the back of this guy's head, which caused him to have this brain injury uh, that the doctors, nobody could explain. And uh, as soon as they started running tests on the Skinwalker Ranch series, he had the injury start to try to reoccur again. Hmm. So... I wouldn't f*** around with that stuff. I mean, they got a lot of technology on this place. Talking about a $35,000 drone that would stop working. It's Ooh. crazy. All right, so what's this next theory we got? That we're going to talk about radiation. So this theory is based on the uranium deposits buried under the land and all the anomalies are from small amounts of radiation escaping the ground. With this affecting people there, them seeing flying saucers are most likely weather balloons reflecting the sun off of them. Then probably seeing wolves with a greater imagination from the radiation. Mm. That's a, that's a kind of weak theory. Yeah. That was a weak theory. I'd give it a yeah. one out of a ten, as in one being the lowest. All right, so what's the next one? Because I really like the next one. So the next one, some think that since this is in Utah... The many cave systems that are probably all around the area, that the military may have built a secret underground facility that runs underneath the ranch. The sighting of the wolf that withstood the bullets and such was possibly an experiment that escaped, and then possibly experimental gases were released to see how the gas would affect the nearby people and wildlife. The effects it had on the people were possible hallucinations of UFOs and other things, like orbs. So kind of like Stranger Things, the TV show. Yeah. 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 Okay. I can get into this theory. I mean, it makes sense with the heavy machinery that they were hearing under the ground, right? And then the lights that were coming from under the ground and shooting out into the sky. Okay. Maybe they uh, found some portal underneath there or something, you know? Oh, combination. Yeah. U.S. military found that, oh, there's some anomaly underground. They came across some alien technology in some cave system down there decided to dig into it, and that's why the investigators came there to look at it and talk to the Sherman family and said, okay, well, yeah, they're experiencing these weird things because we accidentally have some of these creatures escape or some of these anomalies get these blue orbs escape or whatever it is from this, I don't even know, a portal or something. Gateway. Maybe it's. Yeah, gateway. Maybe it's a large hadron collider underneath there. There's a Stargate from Stargate SG-1. A secret one. Well, they were saying that when they were running these tests to figure out why is it that technology was dying in these certain areas, all of their meters were pointing up to the sky as that whatever is affecting them is not coming from Earth. It's coming from above. It's off-planet. And it's... um was like 5,000 feet above where they were, so about 10,000 feet above sea level total. And when they ran a weather balloon up there, right when they got to that level, the balloon stopped taking measurements and checking in. So whatever it is that's affecting this Mesa area, they're saying is coming from the sky, not Earth. Okay. Hmm. 
It's harp. It's harp. Yeah. No surprise there. All right. So what's this last theory we got? What if this is actual skinwalkers? Let's say, let's say it's an actual person wearing the skin of an animal and that they're able to transform into that animal. As we stated before, many, many Native American tribes have legends about skinwalkers. Maybe these skinwalkers are trying to protect their land and themselves from new people coming in and destroying the area. Trying to terrify anyone that lives or comes near the land so that they can keep, you know, keep it safe. It's okay, but how do you explain a wolf becoming three times larger than the average size or the weird footsteps with claws? You know... You've not seen Twilight? (laughs) Jake is a huge bitch. (laughs) Edward Sparkles. Oh, he shines so good. Team Edward. What? That's... Oh, Twilight, dude. Now that I'm going to have to, like, get that out of my head all day, thanks. Aaron, you probably were Team Edward back in the day, weren't you? I was Team Edward. You still are? Still am. Oh, God. I'm Team Jacob. I can't stand the paint, the sprayed on abs of Edward. So, what if these skinwalkers, you know, how we've only used, like, I guess, like 5% of our brain? What if they, they've unlocked to use all of it? And that's how they're able to change and do things to their body and take on the shapes of these creatures or terrify people, how they can grow in size and just transform their whole body. And they're doing this because they they know that their territory is being encroached on and this is just a defense mechanism for them. Like some animals, some dogs, they're tiny, but when they feel threatened, they'll puff up. Like my dog, personally, oh, yeah. whenever she sees another dog that starts to bark at her, she'll puff up. And I mean, like, she'll grow about like a size and a half. And, and I had to like kind of nudge her with my foot and say, quit it. Quit doing that. Get your mohawk to go down. So how do you explain the orbs and all the other things on the ranch? Maybe that's just the spirits of the ancestors flying around. Okay. But what about the dogs that got destroyed? Collateral damage. <laughs> they were, they were yeah, hungry. They, they were asking for it for chasing after those ancestors. Do you think that maybe there's a possibility that there was ancient technology from beings that came here before humans evolved into what we are now and that these aliens left this ancient technology and that the Ute Indians or somebody discovered it underground and these skinwalkers are some type of like, I wouldn't say experiment, but you know Venom, how he got like that being that went into him? What if this blue orb of light actually is like... um some entity from it is the alien right and it's trapped here at earth and it can transform it can go into individuals and transform them and take them over kind of like a demon sort of right and that's what these skinwalkers are is this entity goes and controls them and then it leaves their body and that's the orb is the entity and then it goes and gets into the wolf and controls the wolf and makes it bigger and that's what they're, the United States government is underground trying to find wherever this entity is coming from because it's a national defense or what is it called? Discovery um, into science or something like that. No, I'm talking like the, yeah, national. Uh, like it's a security issue. Security issue, right. It's a security issue. 
So, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. These blue orbs are just entities. Aliens. How we visualize aliens is different. Maybe they're not like that. Maybe they're just pure energy forms. Well, I mean, I could see that, and then they present themselves in ways that we can handle seeing them. What if these are the gods that the those tribes and Navajos and the Utes worshipped, and they were aliens, and they stayed, and then when the Utes turned against the Navajos, they prayed to, you know, the spirits. I, I don't, I'm not pretending to know anything about Native American lore, but I'm only just assuming that they prayed you know, cried out for the spirits for some kind of justice to be held. And so instead of, you know, these aliens going back to their home planet or whatever, they stayed and promised to always protect the land from whoever settles there. Mm. And so they, they telepathically read your mind into what you fear most, and they transform into that. Dang. I like where this is going. That's good, Hans. That is good. Did so, a good job. Pretty good job. I like that. All right, Dan, what is your thought about all this? Like, I want to know what you think. Mm. I remember when we first did this topic, I think my theory then was about natural gases playing mind tricks on people. I don't know. I don't think it's that anymore. There's just too much physical evidence for it to really be mind tricks, unless the people themselves are doing it. But there's just too many things that are just unexplained. Like, you know, the heart being shredded of a cow, mutilations, four bulls being stacked into a damn trailer. Like, I don't know. I think some weird forces at, you know, at play here. Spirits, you know, aliens. I don't know, because like y'all were just talking there. I'm just thinking, you know, I remember seeing some show that say like an, an entity took over someone's body, the, the body of the person they took over didn't stay the same. It would transform into something different. So like saying if the entity, like those blue orbs did take over a wolf's body, that could explain why the wolf got like enlarged and, you know, not feeling anything. Cause you know, it's not really attached to the physical body for like pain receptors and all that, but you know, just able to move it around. And that's probably why I walked up to the people, just stared at them. Like, you know, this is something new then saw the sheep or was it lamb or sheep goat a calf whatever it was it a calf grabbed it by a snout i mean i don't think any wolf would have just grabbed it by the snout like that through a fence especially being as large as it was and then whatnot i don't know i'm thinking some weird entities that play here it could definitely be a portal that opened up to a different reality or something then these things are just like somehow finding its way through and trying to guess exploring. I want to say for research purposes, only ones doing research are the government. <laughs> what about this? Now let me hit you with this scenario. What if back in the 50s and 70s and even the 80s, the government was truly building underground tunnels and they were using some sort of chemicals to help them drill better right, to drill bigger holes easier. The chemicals that they were using leached into the water table that the town had, right? These chemicals, the side effects of it was hallucinations, right, or something to that effect. So that's why in the 50s to the 70s, 
these individuals in the town started having increased UFO sightings or sightings of something because of the chemicals that were being leached into the water table by the government. So the Sherman family starts living on that land. That land sits directly above the water table, right? So it's a high concentration of chemicals. They start drinking water out of their well. They start hallucinating more and more. They sell the land to Robert Bigelow, who's like, okay, I'm this, you know, money guy. And I like paranormal stuff. And he gets it and he does investigation, sets everything up, spends all this money on it. Then he realizes, shit, there's nothing here. I brought the scientists in to test the water table. It's the government who fucked up. The government steps in and is like, look, we'll give you $22 million. You keep it hush-hush and we'll keep pushing the theory that it's, uh, that it's you know, paranormal. And it's all just a big cover-up. And Robert got his money back from selling it to this real estate ty- tycoon who then is like saying, oh, yeah, it's Skinwalker Ranch. Let's keep pushing this story and make as much money as we can off of it. I don't know. Just a far-out-there theory that I thought of. I think it's got some legs to stand on. Yeah. I mean, going off of things ingested, what if these cow mutilations are done because they're taking samples to help whoever they are create this laboratory meat that Bill Gates is trying to put us on? That they're figuring out a way to make it like a burger, that consistency. But it's not a burger. It's just fake like meat. No you think would, you'd think they'd go with uh, mm-hmm. not the anus of the cow. That's true. But maybe that's tender meat. I don't know. That's no, not tender meat. <laughs> but <laughs> there's something about it. There's something about the eye. There's something about the ear. Like, oh, you know, we need this uh, type of protein that we were able to get from the ear to make the meat a little softer. da 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 you know, I the eyeballs actually hold a lot of nutrients, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Like if you get stranded out in the wild and you can kill a rabbit, the best thing to do is to grab it and suck the eye out first. A I'll take note of that whenever the apocalypse hits. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, y'all seen the movie The Mummy? Mm-hmm. What if like all these cow parts, like cow mutilations and stuff, is like these entities or whatever they are. The mummy, like, whatever it is that, you know, is actually there, got woken up by, I guess, the activity going on there, and that these mutilations, that it's replacing body parts. Now, is this... Even though it's probably going to look really weird, but... <laughs> is this the mummy you're talking about? Is this the one with uh, Brandon Fraser or Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Brandon Fraser. Brandon, oh, wait. Dwayne the Rock was in it. Never mind. He was the guy with the... He was the scorpion king. Okay, yeah. never mind. Scratch that. Yeah, the very first, the mummy movie... Uh, anybody that opened up the box, pretty much he was sucking their life force out, but it was like replacing pretty much body parts for him. Mm-hmm. Eyes. He took the guy's tongue. You know. I'm going to or whatever he says to the lady. I'll help you, Satna. Yeah, I like that. All right. Hans, what do you think about it? So my thing is, is there's always like that shadow part of a society right you know there's like the skull and crossbones and it expands to any culture no matter what there's like that weird sect of people you know occultists so what if these navajo 
uh, tribes had that sect like of the of an occult. I don't know what they were called because I've spent like a couple hours last night trying to find something. But what if this occult they uh they summoned through a portal a demon to terrorize the land. And but this demon does more than like just scare people and obviously throw things across the the room and put put your groceries back in its sacks. It you know it liquefies dogs. It rips the butthole out of a freaking cow and drains the blood. Fucking right. And it does all this weird stuff. And so what if the government is, got onto it, those two military officials, they listened to it, and, you know, they probably went around beforehand, before this family even knew it, they, they surveyed the land. Because when, whenever this weird stuff happens, you best believe the government's been watching for a little while. And so they see all this happen, and then they're like, we have to capture this, because this is going to lead us into some kind of technology. Some kind of weapon that we can use to terrorize the enemy. No longer have to do psychological warfare when we can produce the entity that can do it. We can capture it. Damn. Aren't they uh, called like shamans, possibly? I don't know. I oh. thought shamans did like good things. I thought so too. They no, have you sit around a campfire and give you ayahuasca. Hell yeah. Yeah, shamans are, they help you walk your... They're journeymen. They help you understand the things that you need to like, kind of work on in this lifetime based off of past lives and stuff mm. and ancestors. They could be shaman instead of choosing, choosing the path of light. They chose the path of dark. Yeah. Mm. I've never heard of a dark shaman, to be honest with you. That'd be a good character to play in a video game. World of Warcraft. Dark be shaman. <laughs> Anyways, any of y'all got any more theories you want to add to this before we roll on to On the Scene? I uh, talked to a buddy of mine, and he says that he's actually been to Skinwalker Ranch. And he actually, he was stating that uh, he doesn't really know too much like on what's really going on in or on Skinwalker Ranch, but he just said that nowadays he just believes it's a marketing scheme. Because you go around the area, it's just, it's just pure marketing for it. You know, and I mean, I could see that after all the shit happening there, you know, the town might as well make some money off of it. Yeah. So it's just like pretty much marketing everywhere for it. Hmm. All right. There is that guy off TikTok, the Skinwalker Ranch cowboy dude, where he goes out. He lives really close to that, right, Han? Yeah, he lives like within like a couple miles. And ooh, is his TikToks creepy as hell? Hell no. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Y'all got this link me to this. Oh, yeah. His TikTok. He's, uh, it, it's one of those things where he'll be on his horse and he'll hear a little kid or someone in the distance, hey! Come here. Yeah. And the horse it's stops dead. And, and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. And then the horse starts, like, getting spooked my bro. If this is real, screw that. Yeah. Screw mm. that. Reminds me of Predator. Over here. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> yeah all right well um well that's the end of the episode today now we're going to roll into on the scene if you aren't familiar with on the scene it is where an individual goes out into the field and gets the opinion of people the world civilization human beings 
their opinion on current conspiracy happenings. And you, yes, you, the listener, can uh, submit your own on the scene. Just get your phone, record it, and email us the recording. Make sure it's less than two minutes long, uh, 120 seconds, 90 seconds, less than, somewhere around there. And uh, we will play it at the end of the show each week. Um, so, and just a heads up, the if you're a Patreon supporter, you get priority in getting yours played each week since we play uh, one a week. And if you become a Patreon member, you get shot up to the top of the list. So that's just a little FYI. All right. So this week's On the Scene is from Bruce, and we're going to play that right now. Hey, this is Bruce On the Scene with Mark over here. Uh, We're going to answer some random questions. Is AIDS a man-made virus? Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. Why? I'm not an answer for that, but I'm okay. pretty sure it's man-made. All right, all right, pretty sure. Is Jeffrey Epstein dead? No, no. There's no way you have that much dirt on people. Uh, I'm sure he had a backup contingency plan that if he was off, something would be released. He's sitting in an island right now somewhere. Okay, with a bunch of hookers. Probably a bunch of kids. Oh, yeah. okay, it's, okay. Uh, well, the ancient aliens helped, was the ancient... Egyptians, I'm sorry, helped by aliens. I'm going to say yes, because they didn't have the technology to make pyramids at the time. And if you look at the hieroglyphs, there's a lot of stuff on there, a lot of symbolism that looks like uh, saucers and stuff. If you were abducted by aliens, would you let them give you an anal probe? Because I know I would. If it it was betterment for science, absolutely. Science? Yeah, that's why you need a bidet. Because if you had a bidet, your ass is nice and clean, and they check it, and you'd be absolutely fine. Be like, hey, these these asses are clean down here. You learn something new every day. Yep. All right, this is Bruce. See ya. Nice, dude. That was like some ASMR shit right there. No, it kept bouncing Going from <laughs> left to right ear. Yeah. Man. Yeah, but that was a good. That was good. I like it. Yeah. I think we'd all get anal prayed for the betterment of humanity. <laughs> oh, right, we're all buying a bidets. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, dude, bidets are the way to go. They're the future. Oh, yeah. I know Joe Rogan always talks about them. Yeah, we're the weird ones for still using paper to clean our ass. I saw this amazing video that was like, if you get shit on your shoe, do you use a paper towel to get the shit out of your shoe? No. What do you use? Water. Why are we using that to clean our ass? When do we know it doesn't clean shoes? Yeah, if you get shit on your hand, do you just wipe it off? No, you wash your fucking hands, you psychopath. Yeah. You heathens. Anyways, seriously, Bruce and Mark, thank you for that uh, on the scene. Appreciate your theories and your input on point. Jeffrey Epstein is not dead. Nope. Not at all. Nope. I love the Brooklyn accent that I could pick up. From the from Mark, I could just hear it. Yeah, the sauces. I was like, yeah, I know where you're from exactly now, but <laughs> nice. love it. It's nice. Yeah, thank you, Bruce. Love you. I love the on the scene, dude. This on the scene was great. I felt the enthusiasm throughout that whole interview. Yep, it's, it's good. All right, so now we're gonna move on to shout outs. So I'll start us off with Instagram real quick. I don't have that many shout outs this week, not as many as I did last week. Um, I want to shout out to Jeff R, uh, Jose B, Roger A, Wolfie J, 
um, Alex M. Billingsley Hyundai of Lawton. This is not a sponsored ad, uh, but shout out to them uh, for sending us a message on Instagram. Uh, Niam M. Sure, I pronounced your name wrong. I'm sorry. Albro. Uh, actually, Antonio M. Uh, Danielle Lath M. Nathaniel L. Uh, Victor, Ethan, Nathan F, Johnny B, Michael W, Marie I, uh, Thomas P, Apple, Grace. What a unique name. I love it. Shout out to you, Miguel S, and Chris P. Shout out to all you. Love you. Thank you for your support and your love. And I'm proud of you. All right, Dan, what do you have for... Facebook shout outs. All right. First one goes out to Alex G. He said that he caught up, caught up on all the free episodes. So he, he just had to subscribe to Patreon and he loves us. Keep being magical. And he wanted a shout out. So here it is. Next shout out goes to Austin P. He's like, y'all are awesome guys. Keep up the good research and deep dives. And then next one goes to Austin B. He just subscribed to Patreon as well, since he just simply can't get enough. And he said, he, uh, I was listening to another pod and they were talking about the Star Child School and that we should totally do an episode about this. It's very interesting. I've never heard of the child's Star Child School. Have y'all? I have. Oh. Is that correlate so, to the Crystal Skulls as well? Mm. I know that there's the Indigo Children, you know, stuff like that. I don't think I've heard of the Star Child. Star Child Skull is uh, different from them, but I mean, it would make a great uh, episode over strange skulls. Yeah, true. Hmm. Then uh, last shout out goes to Becky L. She discovered us uh, about six days ago, says that she just can't get enough. And then she's like, has anyone ever considered that it was Stephen Paddock's creepy brother who actually performed the shooting, but framed his brother? So the creepy brother framed Stephen. Did did he kill his brother there in the hotel and then like tie him up, kill him, and then leave? I don't know. I don't know. It'd be kind of weird to be able to escape the hotel and all that. Yeah. And they were watching it. Agreed. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I mean, the brother was creepy, though. All right, Hans, what do you have for shout outs this week? All right, uh, just a short little list. Uh, would like to give a shout out to Sasha FNK from the Discord, Young Agumon. It's always nice to flirt with you, my friend. Just always got to tease you just a little bit. Slickers, Ever Deadly Ninja. I love the song Holy Wars. Thank you for the recommendation. You must know me from like some point. All right, 713 Texas, giving away your dang zip code so I can come and do some things to you. you mean Here's your code? shout out. Yep, giving, giving that area code out. You don't need to do it, but it's all right. You know, here's your shout out. I can't say that we can make you a personal Montauk chair. You kind of just got to ride on our laps. It's, they're hard to make, right, Dan? They're very hard to make. And millions of dollars and... You know, Bigfoot's getting old in arthritis, so he just can't bank him anymore. But you can ride on my lap. It's all right. I'll stroke the back of your head, whisper some things into your ear. It's going to be okay. Ooh, nice. That's it. 
All right, Anna, what do you have for shout outs this week? All right. First one is going out to Jameson Sigsbury. He said that TOT3K, you guys have been doing a killer job lately. Letting Hans come in from the cold and making him a more permanent fixture was a definitely a solid choice. I enjoy the deeper dives in, into a single subject. And so Theories Thursday isn't my favorite, but today, hashtag killdozer. Um, and then he second parted it and said, it was, gr- uh, it was so great. And honestly, Anna and the 100th monkey effect blew my mind. She deserved way more props in the moment than she got from everyone else. But like I said, you guys are killing it. I would leave an iTunes review, but don't listen there. So I'm following on Spotify. Dude, Jameson, thank you so much. I am you, brother. I I love Theories Thursdays. I always love the mystery of what everyone's going to bring. And it's kind of a nice break for us from our standard format that we do every week. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that you got a kick out of Killdozer for sure, because that one was a good, a good story. That dude was a beast. You ain't taking me down. No one care down. about the horse. He's just stuck it to <laughs> gallop, the man. Gallop, gallop, gone. Stuck it to the man, one building at a time. Right? Mm. All right, now I'm shouting out Getting Brains. He sent us the pyramid uh, with the all-seeing eye. Y'all make my Thursday so much better. Thank you all. Stay awesome. Uh, and then we had Aaron which I love. I don't know if he made this account specifically because of you, Aaron, because his at is all right times three. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Like and his name is Aaron. Right. Just Aaron. He asked for one who did the artwork for our uh, episodes. And as of lately, it's been all Aaron. If it ain't Aaron, it's Dan. And I haven't made him for months and months. So... Uh, I let him know you're the guy who does it typically. And he said, you all are very talented in what you do. I listen to your podcaster and my daily work or daily gym workouts because it helps my crazy ADHD brain to focus. And your topics are always engaging. Have you considered an episode on Aleister Crowley? I think it would be a pinnacle, the pinnacle of weird. Yep. Next season, we're going to do a redo of old Aleister. Mr. Crowley. What? Oh, sorry. Uh, we have someone named Dulce. She said, Hans, I freaking love you. Let's run away together so you can give me unlimited amounts of laughs. LOL. I love that you're a part of the crew now. Your wisdom and knowledge shows. I just love all the people giving you such great props, Hans. I know. Uh, um. So Paul Governali, he's saving the podcast episodes for when he builds his fence in his yard. Stephen Paul, he saved his as well for a plane ride. He, uh, Richard Noggin asked if we'd seen the movie Splash with Tom Hanks and John Candy about a mermaid. No. No. Yes. Yeah, me neither. A long time ago. God bless America. I can't believe somebody actually brought that up. Yeah, Richard Noggin for you. Uh, just listening, asked, have I gotten my goggles yet? What did I see? I wasn't joking, guys, when I said, like, June was my date to get them. They, they're very long. They're coming from Russia. So, they may never show up. I don't know. But I will be sure to let you know when they do. Uh, Jamie is making my own coins. Shout out to you. So, 
Daniel, shout out friend, Hibachi Yoshi, Archer Rush, Alex Mendoza. Those are my Twitter shout outs. And Everly Deadly Ninja brought up a really cool theory to me today. His stoner thoughts. He was saying how he was thinking if there's fourth dimensional beings that feed off spirituality, love, and fear, what if these haunted sites are exactly that? Them creating and feeding off fear. And there, and this is where his theory comes in. What if vampires and etc. are fourth dimensional beings somehow figured out a way to take a human host and get into our third dimension and feed on literal fear through blood, adrenochrome? I was like, damn. Dang. And then that's a deep thought, right? I know. Uh, and then he went into saying, "What kind of makes sense? It makes sense how certain beings would envy other planes of existence." Like, we have thought of the higher dimensions and how we interact with those planes of reality. Maybe the beings from the higher planes envy our physical interactions and stuff. Uh, and this might explain why a lot of those people or beings are hypersexual in this dimension, because it's not really a part of other dimensions. And also, that legends of vampires have always lived in castles. Who owned castles? Wealthy elites. Who's blamed for drinking blood these, these days? The wealthy elites. Holy shit. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure he got a proper shout out because that was some good thought, man. That was really good, actually. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Something to think about. Uh, so they're saying, I mean, I guess, yeah, maybe these adrenochrome sucking bitches are just modern day <laughs> vampires. <laughs> uh, I'm going to shout out Lucian. Thank you for the articles on the buzzers um, or the vultures. What the fuck? The birds. The birds. Uh, the buzzers. I knew that those things had a meaning when you had three of them, even if they're watching over geese that they want to eat. Three of them sitting on your dock was something. Uh, Unholy Kev, Pete Nasty, Kaiser Co. Man, my Discordian. And Slickers, Jose. Shout out to all you guys. Uh, I know I haven't been on Discord much, but I wouldn't be surprised if I'm on there a little bit more in the future. So I uh, just want to shout out all you Discord people because you're awesome. And you already know this. You don't need me to tell you. Nice. And those are my shout outs this week. All right. So um, we have a kind of like a an announcement that, uh, Anna wants to tell everybody so I'm just gonna hand the mic over to her and let her just kind of do her thing and tell everybody you know what's gonna happen so I awoke to conspiracy theories probably 10 years ago which really changed my mind of the world it altered everything that I thought I knew it helped me to see the corruption of everything and just since then my mind has continued to expand and try to understand the what-ifs and the deeper meaning of things. In this last year, I have had the biggest awakening of my life. I have become a whole new person, as we all have, and I've continued to grow in my spiritual journey. And I have loved having this amazing community to share both sides of the things that I love the most, conspiracies and spirituality. And as of last week, um, I was extremely guided to take a new step in my life. 
and let go of something I really love because I'm being told there's something bigger for me to do. It's very hard to walk away from this. And I'm not walking away entirely. You guys, I will still be on Discord. I will still be a part of this family. But I do have to start trusting the universe when it tells me it is time for you to start helping people heal. To get through their shadows. And I want you guys to be a part of that part of my journey as well. You have watched me grow on this show. From the host that was made fun of because my voice sounds like a five-year-old. To not letting that ever affect me. To having some of the best discussions and meeting the greatest people I ever have. I have... I've gained a family from this. And not just from you guys. But from all you listeners. The boys are always going to be my husbands. That will never change. And you guys will always be my family. And as I get my schedule and everything figured out with what I'm doing with this new venture with Allure Light, I can assess to see if there's something I could do to come back and, like, you know, still be a part of this in some way. Because I love this so much. But I know right now I have to step away and take on this new venture, and you guys can follow me. We'll post links on where you can find me through TikTok now, uh, and just continue to watch me grow. I still want to c- talk to you guys. I got a, I got so much to catch up with you guys on, and this is why I haven't been able to get back to you with emails and stuff, because truthfully, I've been overwhelmed. And we have to remember in life, or when we are presented with moments of letting go of things that we love, we have to recognize, is it still serving me in my highest good? And no matter how much I love this podcast, right now in my journey, it's not. I, and I, I'm very transparent. Everybody knows that about me. I've never been anybody, anything but authentically myself. And so I'm gl- so glad that Hans has come in to now be the new voice that's been really dropping knowledge fucking nukes. He doesn't drop nu- he doesn't drop little baby nuggies. He fucking explodes the world. And he's only just starting. And y'all keep that in mind when you're talking about the way he talks. Remember where I came from. We all start somewhere. So, continue to reach out to me. I am still going this is my heart too. Even if I'm not here every day, I'm still a part of this group, and I want you guys to still feel that way. But I love you guys so fucking much, and, like, everything in my life has been absolutely incredible since I took this leap with you guys a year ago. (laughs) And now I have to understand to trust this, too, because I trusted the leap of coming here and look at where we are, and now I have to take this next leap. And who knows where the path is going to take us after this. But right now, this is where I have to go. So, everybody on Discord, thank you for being the most amazing family. Everybody who's emailed me, I will get back to you. But I sincerely appreciate the time that you guys take out of your day to give to me. And all of us, when you email everybody. Boys, I fucking love you. More than anything. We love, love you too. too. Always.
And you guys are the hardest ones that I have to walk away from. You're not Even though away. I'm going to see your ass every yeah. fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not walking away too yeah. far. Yeah, you're still going to be in our group text. You're still going to see us every day, so. Yeah. You're still going to get those want- those payment pictures. Hell yeah. yeah. Keep sending those payment pictures. Uh, but having these conversations with you guys every week, I love it. I've only grown since the day I've met you guys. And... I hope to also be able to help you grow with my new venture in any way that I can, as well as our extended family, you know. So, I love you guys again a million times. Can't say it enough. I'm so, so grateful. But until next time, stay lifted, my beautiful friends. This isn't the last time you'll hear from me. Yeah. And if you are missing her and it's a future episode and you come back to listen to this part or just right now you're listening to it and you're like, how do I keep tabs on her? Uh, we'll post links up on social media to all of her personal social medias, her TikToks and all that stuff. So you can see her beautiful face, but you won't see ours. <laughs> That's right. I am not connected to any of them on any social media. So do not even bother trying to find them because you won't. And my handles for things is wisdom and wonderland. So you can find me through there. Yep. You can find me on OnlyFans for Cornhole. Oh, God. Yeah, boy. <laughs> and I'm on OnlyDans. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I want to thank you, Anna, for all the support, love, wisdom, everything that you've brought to this show. Uh, you're going to be missed. But like you said, I mean, you'll be back, you know. Yeah. You'll make your appearances. Maybe in Montauk journeys, we'll come across you in the spiritual land. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can't. A part of me is like, I can't give this up entirely. But right now, I know I do. But I hope that in the future, I could find a way to still have this as part of my life. Yeah. Well, your Montauk chair will not be replaced. So don't even... uh, Don't... People don't even bother sending messages saying, oh, I can replace the... I can... no, her Montauk chair is no. not being replaced. It's staying in place, and nobody mm-hmm. else is using it. Yep, you can't replace it, the Trident. It's no. a, it is specifically coded to her butt cheeks. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. no one can feel those. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for all your support. You're amazing. So with that being said, Anna, Dan, and Hans, you want to roll us out? All right. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone. Boom.